Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 10. Matthew 10, beginning at verse 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. These are quite the words. These are the words of Jesus. There is a call to confess Christ before men. The Christian's privilege, it is the Christian's honor. The Christian's hope, the Christian's duty, the Christian's answer. Jesus made it very clear, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. The Wycliffe Bible reads, Therefore every man that shall acknowledge me before men. This would suggest that there are those that do and those that don't. The language is that that speaks to the individual, whoever. J.B. Phillips, New Testament, every man who publicly acknowledges me, I shall acknowledge in the presence of my Father in heaven. But the man who disowns me before men I shall disown before my Father in heaven. The message reads, stand up for me against world opinion. And I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. If you turn tail and run, do you think I'll cover for you? The denial is a real thing. The denial is a real threat. The words of the Lord confesses me before men, not in word only. I will confess you before my Father. Denies me before men, I will deny you before my Father. These words, these are sobering words. Christ brings division. 
in many places, nations, countries, regions, the division is blatant, obvious, unconcealed. For many, the choice to follow Christ means immediate ostracizing. Now, an outcast, disowned, rejected, banished. I've stood in these lands amid such a people. For some, the title Christian comes with a death sentence. The moment they choose to accept Jesus, to follow Jesus. This is happening in our world today, even now. Regardless of where we live in the earth, Christ brings division. He said so himself. The text, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father. What's literally being said there is alienate a man from. A daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies shall be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, whatever we might think does not override what Jesus said. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, these may be hard words for us to embrace, and yet, they are words of truth. They are words of life, and they are words of proof. Verse 34, the New King James Version, Do not think I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. The message paraphrase, don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut. The Amplified, do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword of division between belief and unbelief. These are the words of Jesus. Can we handle these words? Will we allow it to be so in our world? Will we allow the sword of the Lord Jesus to work in our time, in our sphere? Will it wield as it may and as it must? Or will we aim to control it? Imagine a Christian that looked to take the edge off the sword. Imagine a Christian 
that look to soften its touch. Imagine a Christian that looked to sheath the sword, conceal it. Imagine a Christian that looked to trade it for an inferior weapon. And I hear the words of 1 Thessalonians 5.3, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Why would a Christian deny the Lord in this manner? Well, a few answers today. Human desire for peace. Fear of confrontation. Fear of man. Should the sword do its work? What it means for us. A longing to please and appease man. And yet, does this not hurt them? For the truth sets free, not our false peace, a wayward truce. We must be careful. We continue in the text. Matthew 10, 34, Think not that I have come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. It's the sword that pierces and cuts and divides. This division between belief and unbelief. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Doesn't sound very kind and pleasant. Church, the Lord Jesus is concerned with our relentless commitment to him. Our confession of him before men. That we hold to our confession of faith, that we keep the faith that we stand for what is holy and right, that we confess Him no matter what the outcome. And if we could understand that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, and that is why the sword must have its perfect way without human interference, How tragic when the sword of the Lord Jesus is restricted, bound by human interference. I ask, is this a greater way? Is this the solution? Not according to Jesus. You know, it might just lead to damnation, our attempt with an inferior sword. There are those today that look for a translation, rather a paraphrase, a sword of weaker measure. 
There are those today that look for a church, that of man, that wields a sword of weaker measure, whose ministers wield a weaker sword. Is this the way of Christ? Let's answer each one. A weaker text, a weaker sword. Deuteronomy 4.2 Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. No addition, no omission. Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, these are quite the words. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. There are, and these are, serious warnings concerning changing what God has said. A church, ministers that wield a weaker sword, let the Spirit of the Lord bring application here concerning this verse, Romans 13, 4. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God. The Amplified Bible, for he does not bear and wear the sword for nothing. The ministers of the Lord to do thee good. Ministers that bear not the sword in vain. This is the way of the Lord. And what of those? What of those that have an ear for a weaker sword? Are these words I'm about to read not real concerning our day, our age, our time in history, the Christianity? Second Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure what? They will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. There it is. According to their own selfish desires. What does it say? According to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Let's just find teachers and preachers and say what we want to hear. Then we'll get on board. 
and speak in line with the loose life we want to live. That wield a weaker sword. Heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Receive the word of the Lord today. You know what? The sword of the Lord is not ours to mess with. Hebrews 4, verses 11 to 13, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature... There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Is the sword living, powerful, active in our world? Is it sharp? This is the hope we have. The hope we have now that the sword of the Lord Jesus Christ do its work, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, for the sword is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's at work now in this place. J.B. Phillips' New Testament for the word that God speaks is alive and active. It cuts more keenly than any two-edged sword. It strikes through to the place where soul and spirit meet to the innermost intimacies of a man's being. It exposes the very thoughts and motives of a man's heart. You want to know the truth? The word never returns void. It never returns void. The Lord always gets his answer. We have a responsibility to take up the sword. Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Amplified Bible, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the Spirit wields, which is the Word of God. The footnote, subjective genitive, a type of genitive of possession. Thus here, the spirit is the subject or agent of the verbal action. I love that. The sword that the spirit wields. Now, I want to share these words this morning. In this house, we know well, Pastor Spurgeon. Many try compromise. These are his words. Many try compromise, but if you are a true Christian, you can never do this business well. The language of deceit fits not a holy tongue. The adversary is the father of lies, and those that are with him understand the art of equivocation. 
but saints abhor it. If we discuss terms of peace and attempt to gain something by policy, we have entered upon a course from which we shall return in disgrace. We have no order from our captain to patch up a truce and get as good terms as we can. We are not sent out to offer concessions. It is said that if we yield a little, perhaps the world will yield a little also, and good may come of it. If we are not too strict and narrow, perhaps sin will kindly consent to be more decent. Our association with it will prevent its being so barefaced and atrocious. If we are not narrow-minded, our broad doctrine will go down with the world. And those on the other side will not be so greedy of error as they are now. No such thing. Assuredly, this is not the order which our captain has issued. When peace is to be made, he will make it himself. Or he will tell us how to behave to that end. But at present, our orders are very different. Neither may we hope to gain by being neutral or granting an occasional truce. We are not to cease from conflict and to try and be agreeable as we can with our Lord's foes, frequenting their assemblies and tasting their dainties. No such orders are written here. You are to grasp your weapon and go forth to fight. Are you a soldier of the cross or not? Are you a follower of Jesus or not? The word comes even today in this house to cut and divide between belief and unbelief. Jesus said, do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. We know that Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the sword. Jesus knew and knows where and how to divide and to draw the line. Do we? We must accept the dividing no matter the cost. Or we reject that which Jesus came to bring. A cry for peace the words of Martin Luther, peace if possible, truth at all costs. These are the type that change history, that secure the faith for the next generation, not those that wielded a weaker sword, took the edge off. That doctrine swallowed up with the world. They return in disgrace. It's not all about what we think. What we think does not override what Jesus said. It does not override truth. What is truth? You know, perhaps it's what Jesus said following sword that has us scrambling. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. 
I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. My first responsibility is to honor the Lord. To hold to what is right no matter the cost. To confess Christ no matter the cost. And if you're a true believer, it's your first responsibility too. The reality is, I can love no one more than I love Jesus. I must take up my cross and follow him. I gladly lose my life for his sake. Let me ask this question today. If following Jesus meant a setting against father, mother, mother mother-in-law, would we choose not to follow? If following Jesus meant a man's enemies will be those of his own household, would we choose not to follow? And what of our taking up our cross and losing our lives for his sake? You know, the truth is, church, we can't see the big picture. We see in part. And yet the Lord will work and the work will be perfect. He is a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Now if we can receive this, and we should, we must never wrongfully wield the sword. We have to operate in the Spirit. We must not use the sword in any manner in which the Lord would not be pleased or glorified. We must never wrongfully wield the sword because we want to pierce someone. We must never wrongfully wield the sword because we want to divide. This is not the way of the Lord. I have the worship team return today. Let's read a few scriptures. Words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with them. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. What would his answer be? But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, 
Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That's the Jesus perspective. You say, I don't like it. Well, let's go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And multitudes, a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and mother. Well, to create a doctrine, you might say you need three, three scriptures, three sources, three happenings. So we'll go to the book of Luke. Luke 8, verses 19 to 21. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. You know, you can hear the word of God and never do it. We can dawn the doors of church every week. Well, at least we're following one scripture. You know, the Bible says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. But as the great day, the return of the Lord approaches, let's gather more and more. As of right now, we are the generation that is closest to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's shocking that we don't go to church. Have we progressed? We found a better way? Are we wiser than Jesus? Are we smarter than the book? Doesn't matter what we think. Does not override what Jesus said. Let the truth set you free today. The Jesus way and the Jesus life. I want to encourage you today, don't mess with the sword in an attempt to save and rescue. This is not the way of the Lord and this is not saving. This is more harmful then we might acknowledge, and perhaps it fits, if we cause a little one to stumble. What if we mess with the sword in an attempt to save and rescue? And then what? If one accepts a weaker gospel from our hand, what when they are confronted with the gospel of truth? Or should they perish in folly? Confess me before men. Love me more. Take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life for my sake. You will find it. We are to grasp our weapon and go forth to fight. We're entering the time of water baptism. It's so wonderful to see people saved. Choosing to follow the Lord, this next step of the faith, the Bible says, repent, be baptized, 
every one of you for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you haven't been water baptized, we'll have a service soon. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Every month, I mean, it's getting to that point. How about every week? Let's see people saved, set free, deciding to follow Jesus, entering the waters of baptism, rising to new life, a generation that has repented, been baptized, and is filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what we need. Jesus knew we needed that power. doesn't matter what we think doesn't override what he said. Water baptism, such an important and crucial sacrament. J.C. Ryle said these words, we ought to regard the sacrament of baptism with reverence, an ordinance of which the Lord Jesus himself partook is not to be lightly esteemed, an ordinance to which the great head of the church submitted ought to be very honorable in the eyes of professing Christians. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we stand in this place as the candidates get ready. Let's just lift up this song. Savior, Savior, He can move now.